This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, we all saw this coming, right? Nobody's even a little bit surprised by this. It turns out when you've got a Biden administration that wants to have a de facto open border and the whole world knows that, including Central America, including countries all over the world, things happen. We're going to break down this border fiasco for you because it it has enormous implications for the country, for politics. And then, of course, Biden forgetting the secretary of defense's name. I mean, I don't know how much more the cognitive decline has to be a thing that we all see before we can talk about it without being told that we're a bunch of big meanies. We're being bad people about this. And the one point nine trillion dollars of just larded pork spending. Unbelievable. Um, But, you know, first, I want to talk to you about censorship on social media and and what you can do about it. You see, the left really likes to silence people like you and me. They do it to me all the time. I'm sure they do it to you, too. Twitter and Facebook were supposed to be open platforms. That's how they were built. But now they've got these content moderators and fact checkers who are really just the op ed section of The New York Times with smaller words. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your right to free speech, I got an idea for you. How about revoking their right to your data? Now, you could just deactivate all your social media accounts, but that would be giving the left what they wanted in the first place. So I do something much better. I use ExpressVPN. Have you ever wondered how sites like Facebook make all their money, for example? They track your searches, your video history, everything you click on. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. It's amazing, honestly. You got to give this a shot makes your activity much more difficult to trace. So if you want privacy, if you want to feel like you're not being constantly surveilled online, ExpressVPN's for you. And also the social media companies might think twice about the way they treat half the country because we're starting to say, you know what, we're going to make it harder for you to sell our data. So this is a win all around. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. It's finally time to say no to censorship. Take back your online privacy. Go to expressvpn.com slash buck. By visiting my special link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash buck. Expressvpn.com slash buck to protect your data today. It's not possible, okay? It's not possible that, that the Biden administration is surprised by any of the things that are going on right now at the border. Nobody is that stupid. Nobody is that dumb. We all knew that this is what would happen when we came into an administration that doesn't believe that there's such a thing as an illegal person. Think about the rhetoric. Think about the things that have been said by Democrats in recent years. I'm never going to let it go that the Democrats on stage in night one of two nights of the debates in the primary all raised their hand for whether they would give free health care to illegal aliens. And I have to I have to keep an eye on this. I'm not sure when they changed if they have yet changed the official terminology. I know they don't want you to say illegal alien, even though it's in the federal code. But that's all part of it. You see, now they want you to just say a non-citizen or undocumented person, which is even more absurd and Orwellian. But this is entirely predictable. In fact, I would argue that many predicted it, including myself. The left wants de facto open borders, and now we're seeing what that looks like. The U.S.-Mexico border is spiraling out of control because when millions of impoverished Central Americans have reason to believe they can skip the legal immigration process and stay in America forever just for claiming phony asylum, 
They show up in large numbers and demand processing as soon as they can. In case you're wondering whether this is really because of Biden, there are already photos circulating of migrant groups wearing Biden let us in T-shirts at the border. It's a completely logical response on their part to the open borders madness of the Democrat Party. Of course, they want to get into America now. President Biden has no intention of sending them home ever. That's what this is all about. We understand what's really happening here. We can see it. This, this isn't all that complicated. I mean, the, the immigration topic is overall complicated. But what's happening right now at the border is actually quite straightforward. And they can say as much as they want about how it's not a crisis, but it is by any definition they have previous, previously used about the border clearly a crisis. In fact, there's a New York Times report that says it's akin to jails what the children are being held in right now, akin to a jail. The number of migrant children, this is from that New York Times piece, detained at the border has tripled in the last two weeks. That's right. It has tripled in the last two weeks, more than three thousand two hundred and fifty filling facilities, as I said, akin to jails as the Biden administration struggles to find room for them in shelters, according to documents obtained by The New York Times. Uh, More than 1,360 of the children have been detained beyond the 72 hours permitted by law. Remember, kids in cages, kids in cages. That's what they were yelling at Trump. Abolish ICE. They have kids in cages. The former CIA director, Mike Hayden, said that it was concentration camps we were running at the border. Gee, Mike, where are you now? The concentration camps, as you call them, are back up and running, and they're already getting to capacity. Former CIA director, what a disgrace. Uh, turns out that it is a complicated situation when you have children who are showing up and you have a humanitarian desire to make sure they're safe and take care of them, but you're also incentivizing further, uh, further loophole, uh, loopholes where people are unable to, well, what's really happening here. Right? I was going to say they, they don't want due process, actually. They're not trying to get due process. They're trying to circumvent the process you know they're they're showing up and saying i, I want to claim asylum and then later on they're saying well i'm not even going to show up for my asylum hearing and with the children that are being sent to the country why is this happening why are their kids showing up alone at the border well because they will then be placed usually with family members already in the u.s so this is a means of just getting them immediate immediate permanent residency in the u.s And then those children, as you know, are likely to be used as a tether for the adults back home in uh, Guatemala or Honduras to bring them into the United States as part of family reunification under the Biden administration. That's what's actually happening here. So what we see are numbers that should show anybody that there is, in fact, a crisis. Seventy eight thousand migrants at the border in January. All right. That's that's how many the border. This is all New York Times reporting. I'm not telling you anything that's not uh, being being reported as fact right now about uh, when it comes to the numbers. Uh, And they believe over one hundred thousand was the number back in February. So you got a lot of people showing up at the border and and it's going to just keep going up. The winter is not the primary time for crossings. We're heading into the high season. Right. You're going to see a lot of people in April and May. That's the best time to try to make this journey. 
You don't really want to do it in the dead of the summer. You don't want to do it in the dead of winter. So unaccompanied children who show up at the border are taken into custody. They're put into jail-like facilities, the New York Times calls them. I mean, they're just holding facilities. What are they supposed to do? Biden team hasn't really figured this out. But it's hard to have any real sympathy for the fact that they're in a crisis right now. It's hard to feel like I'm talking about now from the administration perspective, from the people who are in charge, because they want open borders, really. And this is what an open border looks like. In fact, I think you could argue that to the Democrats, it isn't even really a crisis because what's going on right now allows them to enlarge the apparatus for processing at our southern border to get more people in faster, more comfortably. That's really what this is all about. Now they're going to say we need more resources. We got we got to spend even more taxpayer dollars to handle this influx of illegal immigrants. That's what's going on. And people who say, oh, it's not illegal. They're not telling you the truth. You're not allowed to cross the border, not at a port of entry. These people are showing up at the border by and large, and they are surrendering. Meaning They cross illegally. They even will flag. I've seen this. I've been there when they do it. They'll flag down Border Patrol. Because this was the same process that they were using back in 2018, but Trump put a stop to it. But they flag down Border Patrol and they they want, you know, they, they will they will demand a meal. They will demand their uh, their process, including the belief that they have the rights to immediate medical care and food and, and facilities in the United States. That's what they end up telling Border Patrol, who have told me that sometimes it feels like they're a food delivery service for illegal immigrants that are showing up and saying right away, you know, where where is my sandwich, essentially? Uh, this is the Biden administration deciding that what Trump did to stop this process, the remain in Mexico policy, for example, no longer counts. Doesn't matter what is remain in Mexico. You want asylum? Fine. We'll give you a whole hearing. We'll do the whole process. But so you can't just disappear into the American interior. You stay in Mexico you wait in Mexico until your court date and then you show up and then a judge will hear you. But, you know, they don't want to do this because they're not asylees. I come from a poor country and I want a better economy is a a position that I have sympathy with. I, I, I don't blame the people who are trying to game the system in this way. If I felt my my circumstances were so desperate, you know, I, I could see how this would happen. I could see how you decide to do this. But we have a system that is not supposed to reward that kind of gamesmanship in the system, right? We have a system that's supposed to take into account whether people will be immediately additive to the United States, whether that on, on a merit-based system that we want to include them in the American family. We are already taking a million people a year and making them permanent, uh, permanent residents, citizens, green card holders, a million a year. All right, that's the legal immigration system. Now we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands showing up and adding to that number because they want to, basically, and because the Democrats think they benefit from it politically. They got rid of the Remain in Mexico policy because it showed that the people who were actually showing up at the border were not showing up at their hearings. They weren't really asylees. That's the whole point. And, sh- and sending children to the border is just another means of getting around the immigration system because without it used to remember the problem with Trump was the Democrats said that they're separating. They're, they're taking children from their parents, right? They're separating them, which is what happens when you process people for a criminal offense anywhere in the country, anytime. But we decided, OK, for humanitarian reasons, we want we're a decent country of decent people. We're going to keep the family unit together. 
But then, you know, if the child stays with the adult, then they're processed within that system and can actually be sent back. No, no. Now you send your kid, your kid gets immediately deployed into the interior of the United States, either with other family or in a group home or whatever it may be. But one of the big problems here is that the Democrats don't want the same thing from this that, well, much a majority of the country does. They're not looking to shut down the crisis at the border. They've already had the DHS chief say that it's not that we don't want you to come. We don't want you to come yet. They're using this now. This crisis that they created is now also creating opportunities for them to create a de facto open border, which is what this looks like. A lot of processing facilities. You just show up, you go into the processing and you're released in the U.S., And there's some, oh, yeah, at some point, maybe you got to show up in a court, but we're never going to deport you. And so that's what an open border actually looks like. And remember, under Trump, there were loopholes being exploited that led to a a similar circumstance to this. And of course, the Democrats said it was Nazism and kids in cages and all this. But then the then the Trump administration, with Democrats fighting them every step of the way, said, hold on a second. Let's set up the remain in Mexico policy. Let's pressure Mexico and Central American partner governments to stem the flow. We don't want this. We don't want this to continue. And they got the number way down. So they secured the border. And now the Biden team comes in and unsecures it. That's what's happening right now. Biden's border crisis is his most predictable debacle yet. We've got the piece up on BuckSexton.com right now. Please go check it out. I've, it's an editorial that I, I wrote. I am writing for BuckSexton.com, obviously, on a weekly basis. And so this is my piece for you. Uh, get into the details, the numbers. Please check it out, BuckSexton.com. And also, uh, if you could give us a review in the Apple Podcast Store for the Buck Sexton Podcast. Even if you're listening on radio, please feel free. I'm sure you've listened on podcasts too. Uh, give us a review, five stars, and write something. That would really help us out with the algorithm because this show is bigger than one would think based on the Apple Podcast, substantially bigger uh, based on the Apple Podcast Store's way of presenting things. But we don't. I, I don't ask everybody for that call to action, and now I'm asking you, please give us some reviews, Give us uh, give us some five star ratings and that will really uh, be a, a big favor to the show. We'd really, really appreciate it. But I just want to finish up on this immigration point, because instead of trying to stem the flow, what you see is the Biden administration scrambling to find ways to make the most comfortable arrangements possible for anyone who is intentionally scamming the immigration system, which is what this is. You're, you're going to see, I mean, get ready for this. You're going to see over 100,000 migrants cross in February. I mean, when they give the final number, when you see that tally, it'll be over 100,000 and it'll be over 100,000 in March. And that number is just going to keep going until there's a reason for it to stop. Why would it stop? Isn't now the best time in recent memory, if you're going to be an illegal immigrant in the United States, isn't now the best time? So this is likely to stretch on for months. But remember, Well, we can argue with the Biden folks about how they said before under Trump, the situation was a crisis. They really view what's going on at the border as an opportunity. What's going to happen is that there will be a massive Biden Pelosi Schumer push for amnesty. And as you know, if Democrats get their way on that, there won't really be any electoral consequences for the lawlessness currently underway. It it essentially nullifies whatever lawlessness the Democrats have encouraged at this phase because 
they'll be in an unassailable electoral position once mass amnesty goes through because of what it will mean for the uh, the vote, particularly among the Hispanic community in this country, but also what it will mean when they are pushing for voting rights for people that were formerly illegal immigrants, which they will do. Of course they will do. The question that I have right now is what will they eliminate the filibuster for? Where will they decide they're going to make their push to eliminate the filibuster? I'm not sure yet. Will it be H.R. 1? Will it be on amnesty? Will it be who knows? There's there's a number of areas. I think those are two of the most likely. But that's where you'll see what the real agenda is and what they're really pushing for. And I think on the issue of amnesty, they may find themselves finally unified. The Democrats may feel strong enough that they're willing to say, let's go for it. Let's do this thing where we decide that we're going to we're going to get get our way no matter what it does to the, the system. And at that point, if you do manage to see amnesty under this Biden administration, it'll be an enormous victory for the left. Remember, the border at that point will just be a place where people show up and they get they essentially get, you know, brought into the United States. They're just moved into the U.S., because how can you stop any if you can show up at the border and say, yeah, I fear violence in my home country. And it's oh, wow, that sounds like credible fear. Now you're in the U.S. Please show up at this later court date. But you're not a threat. So they're not really going to deport you. And even if they do showing up again at the border, you're not going to be penalized. So you just take another shot at it. Paying the cartels all the way. I should know the cartels make hundreds of millions of dollars from this human smuggling. I know it seems Uh, Maybe a little counterintuitive, but even though you can just walk up the U.S.-Mexico border, these are cartel controlled areas. And to get up to the border in some places, pay off these smugglers. And there's a whole business, a whole black market that's being run here, an enormous one for bringing migrants to the border as part of this. They are paying cartels. Just remember that transnational drug organizations that are poisoning Tens of thousands of Americans a year, I think almost 80,000 last year died from drug overdoses. Those drugs are coming from south of our border. They're coming from the cartels. And it is the cartels who are making money in all of this and getting stronger and more powerful. Don't forget that. But if we do get to amnesty, uh, the GOP will effectively be toast. It'll be done. And then if the border stays open, uh, once you get to that amnesty, which I think is likely Limited government conservatism and constitutionalism will be quaint relics of a past that we vaguely remember. It'll be all over. And this is the way the Democrats can essentially flood the zone with votes to cancel out the votes of Americans because they're just going to make new Americans. In a sense, they're going to take people who are, in fact, illegal immigrants who are not supposed to even be here and say, you know what? You now get the same voting rights as people that went through the process to come here legally as immigrants or people who have been born and raised here and spent their whole lives. And this is the only country they know. So someone's if, if Joe Biden has his way, the vote of somebody who uh, shows up, doesn't speak English, broke the law to come here, didn't respect our immigration laws, paid off the cartels, their vote will count as much as your vote wherever you are across the country. That's what Joe Biden thinks is fair. That's the democracy that he wants you to be living in. And you just see it, you know, every time. We push and push back and say, this is where they're going next. They scream and and shout and say that that's so unfair. It's not true. And they do that so that we can't mount the proper opposition to their policies in advance. And then they do that thing. They get what they want. They take the position on immigration, on a whole bunch of things that they said they never would. 
And when we say, well, I said you were going to do that and you swore you promised you never would. Democrats, they say, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Now we move on to the next one. This is how they play the game. We sit around, you know, arguing about whether Mitt Romney is really a man of principle. They figure, how do we actually change the country so that the ideology of our political opponents, people that have a different vision of the future of this country, lose every time? How do we do that? How do we achieve that? The annihilation of our political enemies. That's how the left seeks to uh, conduct its business when it's in power. On the right, we sit around and say, maybe we could do some more tax cuts. Maybe we could send around some think tank papers about the size of the debt and people will start to pay attention to it. I've got news for you. Their way will win over the long run. Really, Representative Cheney was one of the very few Republicans in Congress who did stand up. And I give all of them who um, spoke up, uh, who voted for impeachment, who voted for conviction in the Senate, you know, credit for doing what was right. I just wish that more Republicans had had either the courage um, or uh, the uh, understanding of what the uh, they needed to do that they, too, had stood up and spoken out. Um, right now, Jonathan, um, it is really troubling to see uh, the Republican Party turn themselves into a cult and, you know, basically pledge allegiance not to the United States of America, but to Donald Trump. Something I do not understand. I cannot accept uh And I don't think the majority of Americans, as we have seen with the very large uh, popular victory of uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the, you know, the passage of the American Rescue Plan, which is so popular. I don't understand why the Republican Party is so afraid of itself, because that's what it comes down to. I know you probably are thinking, why did you just assault my ears with that? What happened? Hello? She's back. I, but I want you to I want you to hear Hillary now. It's been a little while since you've been subjected to that. It's been a little a period of time here since you've had to actually hear Hillary lecture the rest of the country on on an issue. And and what I would say to you is this. Um, she's awful. We've all known it all along, but they assured you in 2016 that she would be a great president, that she would break the ultimate glass ceiling, that she would bring forth all kinds of intelligence and, and good governance and all that. I mean, it's ridiculous. She's a, she's a horror show. I mean, it's awful. What happened? You know, she is, she is a disingenuous, smarmy, narcissistic, phony, just the whole thing. It's what? Hillary Clinton, you've got to be kidding me. They wanted her to be president before. But I I want you to remember that because, you know, I told you the Democrats, their favorite game to play, the progressives, really, who Democrats, progressives use these pretty interchangeably. The progressives love to say, how dare you say that I'm going to do this thing in this period of time? And then when they do it, exactly as you said, this happens to me with all the COVID stuff all the time. When they do exactly what you said they're going to do, but they didn't want people to know because they didn't want the opposition to mount before it. Then they turn around and look at you and say, yeah, that's right. We did it. What are you going to do about it now? Now on to the next one. We'll lie again. We'll get our way again. Look at what they do with these 
political candidates. Hillary Clinton. Oh, the great Hillary Clinton. She's amazing. She's going to. Nobody really believed that. I mean, some people did, but there, there are delusional people all over the place. All right. And then uh, you see this with the Lincoln Project. I know that's not a political candidate, but oh, it turns out. And the New York Times has, has the piece on this. It turns out that the Lincoln Project, which almost had its own show on MSNBC. I mean, the Lincoln Project was getting so much attention in the media. And we were told they were the principled Republicans, right? Look, look what Hillary Clinton just did. Liz Cheney, she's the real principled Republican. Yeah, because she was useful for the Democrats. She allowed herself to be weaponized for the purpose of the Democrats against her own team. There's always going to be a pat on the head for you if you do that for a day or two from the New York Times or from Hillary Clinton or MSNBC. Here, you, This is from this New York Times. I'm going to get back to Hillary and then Biden in a second, but this is from this New York Times piece. A few days before the presidential election, the leadership of the anti-Trump Lincoln Project gathered at the Utah home of Steve Schmidt, one of the group's co-founders, and listened as he plotted out the organization's future. None of the dissident Republican consultants who created the Lincoln Project a year earlier had imagined how wildly successful it would be pulling in more than $87 million in donations and producing scores of viral videos that doubled as a psyops campaign intended to drive President Donald Trump to distraction. Confident that a Biden administration was on the horizon, Mr. Schmidt, a swaggering former political advisor, he's a moron, to John McCain and Arnold Schwarzenegger, pitched the other attendees on his post-Trump vision for the project over a breakfast of bagels and muffins. It was ambitious. Five years from now, there will be a dozen billion-dollar media companies that don't exist today, he told the group. I would like to build one and would invite all of you to be a part of that. In fact, Mr. Schmidt and the three other men who started the Lincoln Project, John Weaver, Reed Galen, and Rick Wilson, had already quietly moved to set themselves up in the new media enterprise, drafting and filing papers to create TLP Media in September and October record show. Its aim was to transform the original project, a super PAC, into a far more lucrative venture under their control. This was not the only private financial arrangement among the four men. Shortly after they created the group in late 2019, they'd agree to pay themselves millions of dollars in management fees. Three people with knowledge of the deal said, I mean, the whole thing was a grift. It was a scam for the benefit of the people involved and, of course, the Democrat Party. But it was all by people claiming that they were the principled ones and the media took it and ran with it. They loved it. Right. The good Republicans are the ones like Steve Schmidt and Rick Wilson who will be vicious in the in the pursuit of assisting the political party that they've spent their entire adult life trying to defeat to help them, right? The good Republicans are the traitors and the turncoats. That was the whole purpose of the Lincoln Project, until it wasn't, until we saw that they were just lining their pockets and that John Weaver was allegedly trying to groom young men, including some who allegedly were underage. And this is what the Lincoln Project was really all about. But notice there's no shame. There's no shame in how the Lincoln Project was used as a weapon against Trump in the most disingenuous and dishonest fashion. There's no shame in elevating Andrew Cuomo, making him a guy who gets an Emmy and a million-dollar book deal for his leadership during the pandemic. That's right, a million dollars, folks. I can tell you, it's hard to get a million-dollar book deal these days unless you're a prominent Democrat or celebrity. Democrat, then then you can get whatever you want. Yeah, 
but they want you to listen to them now. They're all about being ethical. They're all about making the really the honest case, you see. They will gaslight you now and forever if you let them get away with it. There will be no end to this whatsoever. Lincoln Project, Andrew Cuomo, Hillary Clinton in 2016. I know I started that clip. It was tough to even listen to. That's what Hillary sounds like to me. You know, it's like some it's like some kind of a like a bobcat that's caught in a trap or something. I mean, it's really it's just awful. But she should have been president. She would have been great. They tell you. Yeah. Anyway, that's amazing, isn't it? Get ready for an even more stunning uh, version of this. I mean, the, the one that I think we can all see coming at some level is the one that involves the single most powerful person in the world right now, the single most powerful Democrat, but he's the most powerful person in the world right now, Joe Biden, the guy with the nuclear codes. And remember how they would tell you that Donald Trump was going to start a war with North Korea. He was going to start a war with Iran. They, they started out for about two years. The media, the Democrats, they were telling you that Trump was a threat. Trump was the warmonger. And then it got tougher to make that case because, no, he was actually the guy who didn't start wars. He was the guy who didn't send our troops in a harm's way without clear purpose, strategy and uh, success in mind. Right. I mean, that's that's a tough case to make when you're just seeing the reality of what's going on. But they, they tried that for a couple of years. Joe Biden is the guy with the nuclear codes. And you should know that because. Hopefully somebody else has those codes written down for him at all times and he's not expected to remember very much at all because he can't remember the name of the secretary of defense that he appointed who is his secretary of defense. This was yesterday. Play one. I just want to thank you both. And I want to thank the the, uh, former general. I keep calling him general. My my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about and for recommending these two women for promotion. Thank you all. May God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Yeah. Does he know the name of the secretary of defense? Does, you know, does he actually remember? Now, I I, I know what they're going to say. They're going to claim that this is just a lapse. Anybody can forget something. You can forget the name of one of your kids if you're in a, you know, a heated moment and you're trying to get the, the van loaded up in the supermarket parking lot or whatever. I understand. But we've seen so much of this. Joe Biden's almost 80 years old. Those of us who have family members who are or have had family members who are 80, we understand that you know, we love them, we support them, we try to you know, engage, uh, engage them in day-to-day life and, and with us as much as we possibly can. But you start to slow down a little bit. That's what happens. We are all going to the same place. We are all aging and we are all going to reach our 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 terminus in one way or another. And before the very end, generally, there is that slowdown period. There is that cognitive decline. Now, in some, it's much more serious, uh, such much more stark than in others. But they foisted this guy upon America because they figured they could get it done. They presented a politician who's like out of central casting for a Democrat that what does he even stand for? What does he believe in? Nobody really knows, but he's given a lot of speeches 
and he, you know, he knows how to dress the part and sound the part, and he's been around a long time. So what a great way to push for your uh, push through a radical agenda, have somebody who's a kind of boring mediocrity as the front man for it. While the system, the apparatus of the Democrat Party behind the scenes is pushing in every which way, in the most extreme ways they can, on a lot of policy items and, and issues. And then anytime we say, wow, they're moving really fast on this stuff, they say, what do you mean, Joe Biden? Good old Joe. You can trust him. He's uh, he's the guy you can trust. It does remind me so much of that Eddie Murphy movie. What, what, not one of Eddie Murphy's most celebrated films, which are, of course, Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours and Beverly uh, and Coming to America and Trading Places. All great films, by the way, if you haven't seen any of them, highly, highly recommend. Eddie Murphy went through a, went through a period where he was just just the golden touch of any movie that he was in. And then he had the opposite of that, whatever you would call that, that kind of touch. Um, but, you know, you, you see this. Uh, oh, the, the Distinguished Gentleman is a movie that people don't really know very well, but he runs for Congress. And the whole thing is he takes the name of a former congressman because his name is close enough to his. And it's just, you know, Jeff Johnson, the name, you know, and that's really with Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden, the name, you know, I mean, that's it. That was the whole slogan. You know, Joe Biden, he's not Trump and his name is Joe Biden. And, you know, Joe, what a fraud the whole thing is. And when eventually it becomes all too clear when Joe Biden walks out on the stage or has a candid moment when he just starts wandering into gibberish, which he will do within the next four years, the Democrats will look at you like we never talked about this, like it never even came up, never even occurred to them. And they won't be shocked. They won't be angry. They'll say, oh, well, hmm, who could have known? Hey, Kamala. We got a job for you. The big job. Number one, president of the United States. We can all see it. We all. And just like they do with everything else, they'll act like you're crazy for seeing what they want to do beforehand. And then when they do exactly what we've said they're going to do, they're going to say, yeah, so what? What are you going to do about it now? Follow up on a different subject. Um, you mentioned last week that the president is expected to give a formal press briefing. Um, press the, conference, yeah. Yes, uh, before the end of the month. Mm -hmm. So you, so that is a commitment before in the next few weeks we will see him and give a, take questions and follow-ups and so forth. Yeah, he, he has done about about 40 Q&As since he took office, but in terms of a uh, formal press conference, which I understand there's a big focus on, yes, we will have one before the end of the month. And what does it mean going forward? Will we see more of President Biden? Um, specifically? More than 40 Q&As in the last month? or Where he will be submitted to more extensive questions, follow-ups, the kind of things we're doing today. Um, will, will we see him regularly? I don't know that you'll see him more than 40 times a month, but I'll have to tell. I'm happy to ask him that question. Listen to the smarmy gaslighting from Saki bomb. I'm sorry. You mean more than 40 times? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. You want him to do a thing that's more than the 40 times he's already done something. That's not the same thing you're asking about, but I'm just going to keep saying 40 times. Do, do you know? Do you, wait, how many times has there been a quick ask of a question? and He's walking away. Um, I think the number is 40 times. It is. 40 times, Jensaki says. Right. Okay. Um, we all understand the difference here, right? When Joe Biden is done with some scripted event and is walking off stage 
and can pick one or two people that he knows are going to ask a friendly question and will just say, oh, yeah, I did the thing with the thing with the thing. Yeah, and just walk. And also, if he has a moment where it's not going well, it's not an official presentation of him on stage where he's expected to take questions for a period of time. So guess what he does? All right. See you later, everybody. Take care. You know, they just, you know, Jill just shuffles him off the stage, you know, goes to take him to feed peanuts to the squirrels in the park. Right. That's. We all know this is a different thing. We're all very aware of this, but nonetheless, uh, Jen Psaki wants to pretend that, you know, for 40 times he's subjected himself to this is fine. Um, and oh, also. On the is Joe Biden a centrist or not? Play eight. First, let me say the president's position on the rights of transgender kids to play sports is clear. He signs an executive order uh, and he believes transgender rights are human rights and wants to see kids uh, have the opportunity to play sports and participate in a range of activities. Yeah. Joe Biden thinks that it's, it's a human right for a, a 16 year old boy who thinks he's a girl to play sports against 16 year old girls. I know it doesn't happen everywhere. I know this isn't a widespread, but the Democrats think it's very important. Day one executive order. But but we're the crazy ones, not the Democrats, right? We're, we're the radicals because we like Trump so much, not the people that think that, you know, if an 18 year old boy wants to play against uh, women on a competitive sports field, including what involves scholarships and their futures, that that's fine. That's fine. This is your modern Democratic Party, everybody. And they made it an issue day one. Harsanyi time. Our friend David Harsanyi in the mix with us once again to talk about all the latest going on. He's a senior writer at National Review, nationalreview.com. You want to read his columns, which I highly recommend because they're excellent. Mr. David, good to have you back. Always happy to be here. Thanks, Buck. H.R. 1, I view as Nancy Pelosi's plan. I know she's not the only one pushing it or behind it, obviously, but she's Speaker of the House, and they did just pass this in the House uh, earlier this month. Um, H.R. 1 is Pelosi's plan to create a permanent majority for the Democrats and effectively annihilate the GOP, as I see it. What do you see? I mean, that's definitely why she's doing it, and it's definitely part of why she's doing it but you know just as on a principled level it is it's an authoritarian bill that overrides and undermines federalism as it's meant to be in as it's stated in the constitution it compels states to do all kinds of ridiculous things with their voting law that of course help democrats because they wouldn't do it otherwise but even just setting all that aside it sets an immense and ridiculous precedent that allows um you know, if they mess with the filibuster, but even if they don't, let's Pelosi, you know, California, New York, decide how the rest of the country is going to vote with a slim majority in perpetuity. So it is in every way an un-American bill. It is. And when you read through it, all the things in it, it is just a disaster. One of the worst bills I've ever seen in my 25 years of covering. And politics. they've already they've already got it through the House. I feel like there's very little media attention on this because. I think they're just trying to slip this one, you know, through the through the back entrance or something, David. It, it feels like they're only only the people. It's called H.R. One or, you know, the for the people act of 2021. <laughs> so vague. And and while this big one point nine trillion dollar, you know, spending colossus is getting all the attention. H.R. One is just a, 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 you know, a Senate vote and a Biden signature away from becoming the law. And I feel like people don't 
understand that this this is an imminent issue. This isn't like theoretically in a year or two, we might have to be concerned about this. Yeah, no, that's all right. And uh, the, the thing with this is that, of course, most of the media probably wanted to pass, but also that that, you know, they get to frame it in ways like, you know, this is a voting rights bill. It will expand voting rights, you know, and if you're against it, you're for voting restrictions, which is insane. Um, you know, you have no right to vote days after an election. You have no right even to get a paper ballot. You have no right to vote early. Even There is no right in the Constitution for those things. Those are just extras. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but I think that when you when, when they use voting restrictions for things that you don't want, which is just open ended. And basically, if you're not driving your neighbor to the, you know, to taking his mail ballot and driving it to the mailbox, you're you know, you're you're undermining and suppressing the vote. But it's like saying that every time you have to show a license, that's a voter restriction or every time you have to stop at a stop sign, that's a driving restriction. I mean, so it, it, it's just a lot in the wording and a lot in the framing. And it is, you know, it's just it's disastrous because it actually completely corrodes the integrity of elections across the country. And it's just banana republic stuff. And the the, the way that, it, that it's all I, I've actually read through much of the bill I, I can't say i read every single word it's, it's big there's a lot there's a lot in there but i've read a lot of the relevant sections of hr1 and there's one there's a theme that keeps coming through which is that anything that makes it um a- anything that you could consider a a regulation or a safeguard for voting is eliminated well, whatever it is whatever could stop someone somewhere for any reason whatsoever from casting a ballot is gone and whatever would allow for the greatest amount of of uh, of leeway to the point where, as you mentioned, voting, you know, voting after an election, having one person. I mean, does anybody really think that if it becomes widespread practice that you can go around and do ballot harvesting, which is illegal in 24 states right now? You can't do it in 24. 26 states have different kinds of ballot harvesting. Some places it's a family member. Other places it's it's, uh, you know, an, an even bigger loophole than that. But you can go around and collect 100 ballots at a time. People are going to, you know, community organizers are going to go to seniors homes and places like that. And they're going to say, hey, I'm here to help you fill out your ballot. You want to vote for that guy as if as if we think that's not going to happen. No one's going to go to prison for that if ballot harvesting is legal. No, no one's ever going to get caught walking around saying, hey, you know, why don't you uh, put the ballot, you know, put the signature there. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I mean, the bill forces states to ban, you know, voter ID laws like, you know, photo ID laws or tells them to ban, you know, or to compels them to allow felons to vote or and compels them to allow ballot harvesting. Now, let, setting aside the arguments for those separate things, and maybe you're for, maybe you're not, that should be decided by states. You can't all have the same voting systems. It's clear, clearly stated in the Constitution that, that states set up their votes. And I just I just don't understand how we're going to it, though. I will say, you know, when they poll and they ask you, are you for, you know, expanding voter rights? And everyone's like, hell yeah, you know, but they never ask them specific questions like, do you think that people should show a photo ID when voting? I mean, Jonathan Shade said, if you stop this, you know, you're basically American democracy is finished, which means, of course, that until this point, I guess we haven't had American democracy. But more than that, in Western Europe, every single country you have to show state issued voter ID, uh, you know, ID, you know, a state issued ID to vote. And it's not like this is some authoritarian thing to ask people to vote. This bill doesn't allow, uh, you know, election officials to even challenge someone's vote or signature at the, you know, the day of voting. 
and it was on on you know regist- registering to vote on the day of the election. It's just in- insanity. Yeah, and yet it's already it's already gone through the House, and Joe Biden is advocating openly for the Democrats to to push this all the way through. And I, I think they also saw what they were able to accomplish with universal mail-in balloting in different states and all the changes to election rules. And, and I still believe, for example, what was done in Pennsylvania was unconstitutional. I know the Supreme Court didn't take it up, but I think there's a lot of cowardice in the judiciary about being willing to look at issues that affect elections, especially just the, the anti-Trump mania that's out there and, and the, the concerns about what it would do to the country if we actually had a state like Pennsylvania where the Supreme Court weighed in. But anyway, yeah, um, but, but let me just quickly say, but sure. liberals argued that Pennsylvania should be able to do whatever it wants because it's its own state. Now they're saying the federal government should tell everyone how to do it. That's a great you point. Know, they, they, right. Yeah, they, they just make any argument. You know, it's Calvin Ball. They make any argument that works at that moment. And then you can never hold them. Uh, you know, you, you can never hold them to anything because they can always change their mind whenever they want. Well, this is what I've been I've been talking about really all, all this week, David, is that everyone needs to get used to this. I've seen this a lot with COVID. And we're speaking to David Harshani. He's a senior writer at National Review. Uh, and and uh, go check out his latest at nationalview.com. But, David, the, the way that everything with this Biden administration has gone so far, and, and in my view, a lot of the COVID stuff, too, has been people make arguments about what they are going to do, right? Whether it's Biden or it's the, the Fauciite view of things. And then it's, that's crazy. We're not going to do that. We don't want that. And then they do it. And then they turn around and look at you and say, yeah, well, we got what we wanted. Let's move on to the next one. This happens time and time again. I mean, I feel like that's, in a sense, the defining mechanism of Joe Biden's presidency, because on the one hand, they're always telling us Joe Biden's a he's a moderate Democrat. You know, you know, good old blue collar Joe. And then he's signing executive orders on transgender, you know, sports events or, you know, transgender men playing in women's sports. And the latest, I mean, you actually brought this to my attention because this is getting no media coverage. They're going back to the absurd uh, kangaroo courts for people accused of sexual misconduct in colleges now as, as a as a Title IX and Department of Education issue. Yeah, yeah, they're just stripping. And, and well, tell, tell everybody this. what that is, because no one no one's reading or seeing about that. Well, Title IX in, tw- tw- you know, covers colleges and, and equal equality among men and with genders and things of that nature. But but obviously it's the mission creep has set in a long time ago in 2011, Obama administration. You know, it's it's difficult to explain. It's not an edict, but basically it is that that told colleges that they should no longer allow certain kinds of activities or certain kind of defenses and do pro- basically they stripped college students accused of sexual assault or misconduct of due process rights they can't you can't face your accuser you can't call witnesses you can't um you know just all the basics of due process that have worked for frankly for you know hundreds of years but thousands of years almost right a thousand years almost so um just stripped of them because you know and, and destroying lives well anyway so they did that and betsy devos came in and changed it back temporarily and not fully and uh, but in between 2011 and 2021 right now there have been thousands of cases where they've gone to court either settled or you know lost the cases it's completely unconstitutional to do but joe biden's going to do it again and um and and what makes me really angry about it is that joe biden was accused of, of rape and if he had to live by the standards he wants to set for powerless usually young men in colleges uh he would be you know he would be thrown out of office and he would be thought of as a rapist But he doesn't use those standards, but he wants those standards for others. 
And we're speaking to David Harsani here of National Review, everybody. David, uh, speaking of those accused of sexual misconduct or sexual harassment, and I, I do I do think it's important that, you know, unlike what other people do when they just see a political target, you know, Cuomo is accused of workplace violations. He's not accused yet of, you know, criminal sexual uh, behavior. I think that's important for everybody. You know, he's, he hasn't forced, you know, they haven't, they haven't said he forced himself on somebody or anything like that. But it's still gross and it's not good. And you don't need somebody in a leadership position, the top position in New York. I, I think Andrew Cuomo, though, is, is almost a remarkable case study in in power today in the Democrat Party, because this guy's going to he's going to stick it out through this, isn't he, David? I mean, that's my prediction. Yeah, that's what they do. They At least. He, listen, he is not liked. Right. I don't think he's very he's liked within the Democratic Party in New York. I think people think of him as a bully. But his usefulness as far as a political cudgel against Donald Trump is done. So now we can move forward with this, even though I have to say his his actions with the uh, elderly in New York are, to me, far more consequential. I'm not saying that this isn't consequential, but I can't believe how much coverage this gets as compared to his actual killing people. But anyway, um, he, uh, you know, he will just stay in there and he'll probably be reelected. Right. You know, and and because no one's going to really challenge him. and, And that's it. They get away with it. Bill Clinton got away with it. Um, you know, others have gotten away with it. And uh, that's it. That's just how it is because of the double standard in coverage. Why do you think why do you think because I've, I've had this debate with some liberals recently and they always say, but what about Al Franken? And I feel like Franken because there just was no downside to getting rid of him. Right. Yeah. Because they could just replace him with another Democrat. They would when when, when the governor, what's his name, governor of Virginia, you know, was caught uh, in his yearbook wearing a Klan or, and or blackface, right? He didn't Northam. step down. Northam, right. He didn't step down. Yeah, setting aside what he said about uh, uh, babies, you know, who, who who had survived abortion attempts, but, but just setting that aside, you, you know, it, do you think that a Republican being caught in a Klan outfit or blackface would survive? No way. The only reason, if, if, uh, if they were sure a Democrat would take over for him, he would maybe not have survived. And that's only when Al Franken was gone. He would they would never have turned on to him if the governor was a Republican and would have replaced him. It's a good point, because, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's the he's really the only Democrat you could think of that got me tooed and not, you know, not for the most egregious kinds of things. I mean, not including people like, uh, you know, the Harvey Weinstein and those guys. But he's the only one that you've seen who, who didn't r- rise to the kind of criminal uh, criminal uh, level who lost his job that I can think of. But, yeah, no, I think I think Cuomo is going to stay right where he is. And I think give it give it six months to a year. He'll be back on CNN and they're treating him like he's a he's a great leader in the whole thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I, you know, he is such an unlikable person in general, though, that I don't know. He might survive it, but I don't think he's going to be as popular as he was. But uh Others are. And, you know, with Al Franken, for instance, I'm not even really sure he deserved to lose his job over that. Picture, yeah, no, that frankly. was the one that sort of surprised me because I was I mean, it was before he was even a politician and he apologized. And I, you know, I, I was surprised that that was. But Kirsten, Kirsten, whatever, Kirsten Gillibrand of New York decided that it was time for him to go. And so he had to go. Yeah, yeah. David Arsani, everybody sacrifice people. Yeah. David Arsani, go to nationalview.com for his latest. David, thanks so much. Anytime. Thank you.